Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey there, Fangirl Nation. You are listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Get My Job podcast on Believe. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and I am so excited to be joined today by Bengals beat reporter for the Cincinnati Inquirer, Kelsey Conway. Kelsey talks about the importance of being good at one thing first, the key to building relationships, working ahead, and the splash versus the ripple. This episode is filled with incredible guidance and is a lot of fun, so let's get to it. Kelsey, welcome to the Get My Job podcast. I know we've been talking about this for a while. I'm so excited to have you on today. Super excited to be on with you. I think this is a great podcast that you do. So I am very excited to be a guest today. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info and odds. Find all of the latest sports developments, including this week's odds for the Masters Championship and the start to the Major League Baseball season. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so join today. Learn why everyone is saying Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on popular sports and games. Bet Online, where the game starts. Well, let's jump right in. And if you could start by taking us through your professional journey. And one of the things I really want to highlight and talk about is you've gone from being a team reporter for one team. I don't want to spoiler alert for everybody. I'll let you tell everybody the teams, but a team reporter for one team and then a beat reporter. And I want to talk a lot about, or as as much as you want about kind of that transition and, and what's that like. But if you could start by kind of take us through your professional journey, and then we can move into that. Yeah, so um, my professional journey started in college. I went to school at the University of Cincinnati, and I studied broadcast journalism, and I interned in the athletics department interviewing, um, you know, doing cutting videos, doing all the intern work that you have to do at this point um, in your career. And then after college, I was fortunate enough to get an internship with the Baltimore Ravens as a digital media assistant. And I helped all areas of the digital media department. And by the end of that internship, they allowed me to start writing some pieces so that by the time my internship was over, I had some work to showcase that was on published on the website, which was awesome. It was a fantastic experience. I will forever be thankful for the opportunity the Ravens gave me. Great people that work there, and they do such a good job with their team website. And after being in the team facility and just, you know, getting to see that aspect of things, I realized I wanted to stay on the team reporting side. And at the time, the Falcons had opened up a job um, that was kind of encapsulating all of the things that I wanted to do, writing on camera interviews, and it involved some of the web stuff that I had gotten experience to with the Ravens. So my title was digital content producer because I created all types of content, ranging from stories to videos. Um, So that's what I did with the Falcons. And I did that for six seasons. And then I, after that, was ready to kind of advance in my journalism reporting part of my career. And I I had felt like at the the team, I had reached the max that that role was ever going to be. And it was either go into more of a broadcast side or go into more of like the writing reporting side. And I never in a million years thought that I 
was going to work for a newspaper as a beat reporter. That was not the train I had seen myself getting on. <laughs> but um, through a couple connections back in the Cincinnati area from college, someone reached out to me saying, the Inquirer is looking for a, a Bengals reporter. Are you interested? And I, at that point, was like, I'm interested in anything. And <laughs> after several interviews and learning more about the job, um, I realized it could potentially be the best thing I've ever done in my career in terms of being able to establish myself not associated with the team. So when people mm-hmm. see my tweets now, it's that's me. Whereas opposed to when I was working for the Falcons, like my Twitter handle was Falcons Kelsey. Like everybody assumed that everything out of my mouth was associated to the Falcons and that whether it be they did messaging or I had to, I wasn't able to speak really the truth because of the issues sometimes that team reporters have to deal with I can now you know work on developing sources and learn how to do that and I can work on how to put together news stories that tell the full story of things and it just was a side of reporting I had never done never thought I would do and great interviews. And then they hired me and it was under the assumption that they also wanted to enhance their digital part of the um, coverage. So they wanted someone who could do podcasts and they wanted someone who could do video. So it checked all the boxes for me because I wanted to make sure that still remained a part of what I was doing. And to this day, it's the best thing I've ever done in my career. Um, It's an amazing place to work and I've grown and become such a better writer and reporter because of the jump that I made. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, I just finished my first season covering the Bengals. It was fun first season. I mean, I got to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's a Um, a great way to start. And kind of maybe you're their good luck charm. They may never let you leave Cincinnati. (laughs) Right. And so that's pretty much where I'm at right now. I'm loving what I'm doing. I'm loving this side of things. And um, yeah, I'm really happy. So that's kind of a quick synopsis of how I got to where I am right now. Well, you said a couple things in there that I'd I'd love to unpack. And one of those things, of course, was that you're able to tell the whole story and the idea of learning to build relationships with sources and all of that. Can you talk a little bit about how, as you transitioned from a team reporter to a beat reporter, how you've kind of learned to build those relationships and kind of what tips you would have for young journalists getting into the industry? So I'm still working at it every day. I am in no way... uh finished product. Um, I think what I've learned (laughs) is I think the best pieces of advice is some of the best people at breaking news and sourcing have given me is I think in this day and age, and especially with those journalists coming up, there is such a, um, amount of emphasis we put on breaking news, right? Being first, And there are certain times that that's really important in your career. And there's certain people who that is their job to break news. I think the most challenging thing I've had to navigate is at the end of the day, and Tracy, you know this, like this business is all about like being a people person. And if you are the type of person that is always asking for something when someone's around, they're not going to want you around. So it's learning how to have that fine line between getting to know someone and developing that relationship with them so they feel comfortable talking to you, but at the same time also like knowing when the right time to ask for more information is. And um, it's something I'm working through, um, but I've learned that the more times that 
if you're genuine and the less you ask, it's almost like you get more back in return, if that makes sense. Because I've been given things from people not because I've asked. And it's, I think, because those relationships have been made and they feel comfortable sharing things with me and they want me to be the person to deliver the news. Um, so I think that's the biggest piece of advice. I think we put so much pressure, myself included, when I first started. I was like, I got to break all this news and I got to have all these sources. And it's just like I put so much pressure on myself. And then the best piece of advice I was actually given by um, Jeff Darlington uh, actually last week at owner's meetings is, is he said, don't worry so much about like the big splash. Focus more on the ripple, being able to tell people, okay, this happened, but here are all the things that took place to get to that point. And if you can provide information like that, that nobody else can, that's a win for you. And I thought that was a really good uh, piece of advice because sometimes I find myself focusing on wanting that splash. Like I want to break the news, but there's just going to be times where it just doesn't happen. And what else can I bring to the table? What else can I provide? And that's really good advice because as a beat reporter, we are there every day. You know, even if we don't are the ones breaking the big story, we're there every day. We do see the inner workings and he's right. You, you can provide context Mm -hmm. and just information that other people just don't necessarily have. So I think that's really, really good advice. Yeah. You said something else um, about the inquirer's commitment to digital. And that was something that was important to you. And so, you know, I think beat reporting has changed. I think for, for those of us that do the job, there's the writing aspect and all of that kind of stuff. And then there's the, there's the digital aspect. Now it's really important to be on TikTok and Instagram and to be tweeting and to create content and videos and kind of going back to a little bit, what we were just talking about. I think part of the ripple is providing context and you can do that with stuff from practice, from stuff from press conferences. When you look at being a beat reporter in this day and age, you know, how important is it to be able to do all of those things and how much of your time do you think you spend on that? Well, I think it's hugely important, but at the same time, I think you've got to be really good at like one thing first, because Mm -hmm. if you're kind of average writer, you're average on like video, you like, you can't really get your foot in the door. And I think that I found myself being like a couple of years ago, I have all these skills, right? I can write, I can do on camera, I can do it. But like, yes, being versatile is really important, but like in order to have gotten this job with the Inquirer, I had to be able to write. Like I had to provide multiple writing samples and my primary job is to write. That comes first always. What I do off of that, the podcast and things like that is just an added bonus that I think helps in terms of if people see my face and hear my voice, they're going to be more comfortable and remember to like come back to read what I wrote on Cincinnati.com. Like there just has to be an end point to all of it. And so like my podcast and video stuff is to support my writing work on the Inquirer. Um, so I'm really trying to grow that audience so that if I, you know, start doing more podcasts, right? Like that'll eventually always still come back to my coverage from a written standpoint. So that's maybe where um, being a beat reporter for me is different because I have to use that stuff always to drive back to my writing on the Inquirer. Well, the way you said that was was really well said. It does. It has to support it because a beat reporter is a beat writer. That is what 
That is what we do. We write about the team. And so all of that stuff does support it. And I think that's a good way to put it. And I, I want to highlight that for some of our journalists that are just starting out to remember, kind of remember what your job is, be really good at your job, and then do the things you need to do to support that job. So I think that that is, uh, that is really important. So another aspect of that I would love to talk a little bit about is that you had to move. Obviously, you've been in Atlanta for six seasons, and then yeah. you get the job in Cincinnati, and off you go. And especially as someone, you know, still, you're not brand new in your career, but still relatively new in your career. For all of us, opportunities come, and we have to take opportunities that make sense for us and that we want to do no matter where they are. So it's this switching gears a little bit. It's something we haven't talked a lot about on this podcast. We've talked about moving, but kind of what tips do you have for moving to a new city? I mean, that's something in itself. We had um, Catherine Fitzgerald on and she went to cover the bills like at the first day of training camp. And so she talked a little bit about that and, and how she transitioned. But I'd love to hear from you kind of how you were able to make that much tra- that transition, how much time you had before the season started. So I was very similar to Catherine's journey where my first day was after the Bengals first preseason game. And this was a, this was very interesting and challenging for me. I was hired to be the beat reporter for the only newspaper in town in which like the inquirer is thought of historically as like very, um, very important. And so I'm stepping into these big shoes and Tracy, like, as you know, when you're covering one team, like you learn so much about them and then it becomes like second nature to you. And yeah, you watch other NFL games, but like, you're not an expert. Like you are like, you're not an expert on the Bengals. Like you are the 49ers vice versa. Like I know enough about the 49ers, but I couldn't get into the details like you could on that team. And so the Bengals were very, um, not well known in terms of national exposure two years, like for the last two years, they only had one primetime game. They didn't have like a lot of stars where you could, you know, they're talked about in the news stream. So when you would check Twitter that they would be coming up. So I didn't know pretty much like anything about the Bengals other than like, obviously I knew who Joe Burrow was. Um, but I didn't really know anybody about their defensive players, nothing. So I'm showing up and not only am I supposed to know this team, but I'm now also responsible for educating all my readers. So I had to, I literally sat at dinner the night before watching the Bengals first preseason game in Cincinnati, literally writing flashcards with numbers. And then on the back, the name, because I was like, I have to learn this team and I need to be at practice and I need to know who number 90 is. Like I need to know who, um, you know, Quentin Spain, the guard that I've never heard of in my life, like who he is and what position he plays. And so I had to learn really quick because not only did I need to know for myself, I needed to be knowledge and knowledgeable enough to be able to provide even more information to the readers. Like there was no time for me to come in and not know what's going on. Like this job just doesn't allow for that. And I'm also a woman, right? So, and I was the first woman ever hired to cover a professional beat for the Inquirer. So I already had the notion in my head, like people are going to be second guessing me coming to cover this team. So I need to be so solid in everything that I know about this team. So I started, I moved my whole life up here um, in the middle of August. And then uh, my first day was 
after the Bengals' first preseason game, so that's still kind of in the lines of training camp. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I moved into an apartment, um, and obviously I I went to Cincinnati, so I was familiar with the city, but, like, my group of friends from – college isn't still there. So I've like had to relearn how to make friends and I had to get used to, you know, living in a new apartment. And fortunately I was able to, uh, you know, take over one of my friends lease so I can move in right away. But it was just a whole, like the first three months was just like a whirlwind. And then I'm traveling to every game and it's just like, holy cow, like I can't even catch my breath. And the print schedule is I'd have a story in the paper every day and the print schedule, like you have to publish it by four o'clock so it can make the paper the next day. So I'm just like, I just remember the first three months being like, I don't, I don't know what's going on. I was just surviving and uh, it slowed down a little bit and things got so much easier for me, but the move was really hard because there wasn't much time for me to really catch my breath and try to figure it out. I kind of just was learning on the fly. And I'm really glad that you went into that because that's a part of this that doesn't really get talked about that much. And that is a huge part of it. And there's the career change and there's the life change. I'm also really glad that you brought up how you have to have your story in by four o'clock to make it for the paper every day, because I think that's something that not everybody knows, you know, and that's something to keep in mind. So when you see people on deadline or they get, you know, I know like for us, like we get through press conference and then we get to go, we go to the to practice and we only get to watch 20 minutes of practice. And then everybody comes back and it's like, and for those of you who can't see me, which is all of you, that do 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 was me typing really, really fast. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's a big part of it. And these are just all things that I like our listeners to think about and process because it can sometimes look super glamorous and parts of it are, but it's a lot of work. And these are just all things that I think are really important to discuss. So thank you. Thank you for highlighting them for us. Yeah. Then no, the print, then like, I'm really glad that you've had me on to kind of share this because I wish I had something like this to listen to before I was contemplating, you know, what would life be like as a beat reporter for a newspaper versus another outlet? Um, the whole print element. And I talk about it with the other beat reporters in Cincinnati. Like I'm the only person on my beat that has a print deadline because like our ESPN and sports illustrated, like, yeah, they, they, they're asked to write it like quickly, but like they don't have that 4 PM deadline. So I could write like a major story about the Bengals. And if it's after four, it won't make the print paper until Wednesday, but it'll be online. Mm -hmm. Um, and trying to figure that out, I learned the biggest tip that for anyone who's listening, that's, you know, going to work for a newspaper or thinking about it is working ahead. Mm-hmm. Because Tracy, as you just mentioned, like you've got open locker room and press conferences, and then you go to practice. And like on a normal Wednesday, I'll wake up, kind of go through my email, figure out like my time, get ready, get changed, eat, then head downtown. And then it's like, Open locker room, Joe Burrow's press conference, Zach Taylor's press conference, practice. And by the time I get done all of that on a Wednesday, it's like three o'clock. So then you're only leaving yourself an hour to put together a story if you want to make it in the print paper. And like that, just working, that's too stressful for me. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it lends to the best stories because you, if you're rushing, it's just not working. So I started having to try and like work a day ahead so that on Wednesdays, I was writing for 
essentially Friday. Like my story I would write on Wednesday would be for the Friday paper because Mm -hmm. I couldn't deal with only having an hour. Like that just didn't work for me. It might work for some other people, but the best piece of advice I could give for anyone that's like going to work for a newspaper is set your budget on Sunday, work ahead, even if it means you have to write at 10 o'clock at night on a Monday while you're watching Monday night football to set yourself up to be able to do what you need to do throughout the rest of the week is definitely the best piece of advice I could give because the whole like writing with, you know, a gun to your head is just not, I don't think lends to the best work by anybody. You know, and it's so funny that you said that about writing at 10 o'clock during Monday night football, because I don't know why, and this is a very weird thing, but you may find this, there's kind of nothing there. I mean, there are things I love more, but in terms of like this kind of thing, I love having a sporting event on while writing a story. I don't know why there's just something about it that feels very like full circle to me, but it feels like, I don't know if I find it inspiring or it's like the perfect background noise, but I, I just kind of love that for some reason. Yeah. Monday nights, it's very rare if I'm just sitting watching Monday night without my computer in hand. Um, I'm either like writing or I'm researching. And um, so, yeah, that's kind of the norm. Um, But yeah. But again, like all this is kind of like, I would have never known how to work under a print deadline had I not taken this job. And I'm so glad that I did because now if I go to work somewhere else eventually down the road, or if I stay in this, like I'm so much better of a professional in learning how to like budget my time. Right. So Mm -hmm. those are all things that I'm just like really grateful that I I took this jump because like, these are things that I would have never learned that I think are really important. When you go back and you look earlier in your career, could have even been early in this position. I know you're still relatively early in this position, but earlier in this position, was there a criticism that you received that was difficult, but, but ultimately super helpful for you? Um, Yes. I think that, I mean, I've received a lot of criticism throughout my career. Um, some of it, I think it was warranted and some not, uh, to be completely and that's, honest. I just want to stop you for one second there, because I think that's what you just said is really important in learning for ourselves what's warranted and what's not, and being able to move whatever's not, just being able to push it aside and not focus on it. Um, I think that... You're able to tell if it's warranted if it's recited by multiple people. Like if multiple people are telling you the same thing about you, then it's probably like you should be listening. But Mm -hmm. sometimes if it feels like you're just kind of like being attacked by someone or if it's just like smaller things – then sometimes I'm like, okay, are you nitpicking? Um, Mm -hmm. But like bigger things that has been brought up by like multiple people, then that's when you like take a step back and you're like, okay, maybe this person has a point. Um, But I think if you had to ask me the the hardest piece of criticism I had to learn was um, I think that early on in my career, I struggled really hard with – I wanted to do things that I wanted to do and I thought they were really good ideas and I had to learn how to wait my turn. Um, And it was really hard criticism to hear like, no, someone else is doing that or you need to wait, wait, wait in line and you're coming off as if like you think this is all about you. 
um, because you want to do these things so bad and that's not necessarily a good look for you. And at the time I'm like, what do you mean? Like, that's so hard to hear. Um, all I want to do is these ideas and these are good for this. And I just think that I learned so much about like delivery, how to take an idea and really, and this is all when you're working with like a content team. Mm -hmm. Um, When you work for yourself, you can just do what you want to do. But I had to learn how to basically put together pitches of like, here's why this idea would be worth our time to invest in. Here is why I think this is a good idea. It has nothing to do with me, but here is why. And learning how to kind of like take myself out of things and make it more about like the bigger picture, I think was something that was really hard for me to hear early on in my career, but it makes a lot of sense now. And if I were to go back to working with, um, you know, a bigger team, but it even applies to like my time with the Inquirer now, like I always try to be cognizant of like what our photographers have on their plate that day. So if I want to do a podcast, I now know to like be like, Hey, what do you have going on this day? Do you think you could put this on your plate or should we hold off and wait for another week? As opposed to me just being like, Hey, we have to do this interview because I say so and it needs to go now. Like learning kind of how to like think of what other people have going on and how to say, this is a really good idea. I'd really like to do this, but how do we make this work? So it's like feasible for both of us. Um, I think that was probably hard for me to hear early on in my career because you take everything so personally and Then now looking back, I'm like, okay, you know, all this made sense now. I think, and I think that is really important. And I think, especially when we come into something new and we're like, but we have all this and, and it is, I think that's really important. And I would even say, you know, like in working for, and working for yourself and like, even like me in theory, people are like, oh, it's great. You could just do whatever you want, but not really. Like I still have to think I may come up with an idea that I'm like, this is so good, but it really may not be so good. And, you know, kind of thinking like, what is good content? What do people want to see? What do people want to read? And so I think that's a really important thing. Like you said, being able to take yourself out of it, which can be really hard, especially when you are creative and you want to share what you think is not you, but the universal you really good content. And the idea of taking yourself out of it and thinking through an idea, I think is, is very important advice. I also think, um, what you the no and um I this I feel like we could open up a whole nother can of worms, um, which we don't have to. But when you're a woman, um what you wear and what you post on social media unfortunately matters more than a male. And it just does. Mm-hmm. And um, we can get all upset about, and I used to get so upset and be like, why does this person like care what I'm wearing? Or why does this person care what I'm posting? Why, why is the magnifying glass always on me? And then I used to get me so worked up. And I just remember talking to someone one point early on in my career and them just being like, like, this is just how it is. Like, it is what it is. And like, you can either like feel sorry for yourself or you can understand this is the this is the game that you're playing and like how are you going to beat it and how are you going to adjust and i think early on in my career i spent so much time like getting myself all worked up and being like angry because of those things that like now that i'm like older in it and i've just seen kind of how more other women like navigate it like it just like it is what it is like you think 
every time someone comments about like Erin Andrews, she gets herself all in a tizzy. No, like you just got to learn to like put blinders on and just kind of like not, not get yourself worked up about it. And I think like that's another piece of advice that was given that at the time was really hard to hear because I was like, what do you mean you're not siding with me? And then it's like, well, no, I mean, it's like you either want to do the job or you don't want to do the job. There's downfalls that come with every single person's job. That is true. It's funny. A friend and I were talking about that um, in terms of celebrity and and a celebrity talking the other day about something. And and we were talking about it. Unfortunately, that is one of the pitfalls. And that's one of the downfalls that comes with the job. And, and this is different than what we're talking about. But there are certain things that come with the job that we hope will change at some point. But right now they're they're here. And how do you deal with them and navigate them is, is yeah. an important thing. Uh, well, before I let you go, and I first of all just want to thank you because Kelsey, oh, this has been really good advice and you've brought up a lot of things that I think we haven't talked about quite enough on this podcast. So I'm really glad that you did it and brought some insight uh, that we haven't had before. So much appreciated. But before I let you go, we have to do five fun facts. Uh, this is something I do with the 49ers players. We do it on video and they share five fun facts about themselves uh, that they want people to know. But on this podcast, we ask everybody the same five questions every week. Um, and it's pretty cool because we get so many different answers. So without further ado, five fun facts with Kelsey Conway. Number one, what is your favorite moment in sports? Oh, um, working the Super Bowl was pretty cool. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I just think like the Super Bowl, like whether I'm working in or not, it's just like the coolest event in sports. Um, and then having been like worked, worked it, like there's not a moment that's bigger in the world than the Super Bowl when it's going on and just the amount of attention and just the, the actual game. I don't know. It just like, every time I watch it, I get like chills. Like I could never like not watch the Super Bowl. So I think I'd probably say for me personally, working in sports, the best moments of my career have been working the two Super Bowls that I've had Fair. I think I don't think anyone could argue with that. Not that they would. I'm over two though. What? I haven't I haven't covered a winning team. <laughs> that's all right. That's not your fault. I haven't either. So my cover lost the Super Bowl too, and then lost the NFC Championship game. And I choose to think that that's not entirely my fault, <laughs> or not. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, what is your life motto? Ooh. Oh my gosh. My life motto. Hmm. I don't, I don't know if I have one. That's okay. You don't have to have one. That's something yeah. you think about. You could follow up with us later down the road. I wish I could say I had like one, like a one liner that I'm like, I live by this every day, but I mean, I'm a work in progress every day. I'm trying to figure it out every day. Well, there's your life motto. I'm a work in progress and I'm trying to figure it out every day. Yes. Apparently. I that's that's really can be <laughs> so I think there you go. You're welcome. We got your life motto. What's your go-to workout? Um, so I'm being orange theory person. Uh, I love orange theory. I love the, uh, the mix between the treadmills and the weights. Um, I like that high tempo, like anything that's hit. I love li- lifting weights. I love, um, running. So I love orange theory. That's probably my favorite. Go love Barry's coffee. boot camp too. Okay. Go to coffee order. Iced coffee. Always never hot coffee with oat milk and a book. Every woman should read. A book every woman should read. Um, Where the Crawdads Sing. 
Oh, such a good book. That the movie's coming out soon. I know, I can't wait. Uh, Kelsey, thank you so much for joining me today. This was a lot of fun. Uh, and if you guys like what you heard, and I know that you did, please make sure to leave us a five-star review. Follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. We are brought to you by Bet Online. And with that, my friends, I will talk to you all next week. Bye, all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.